okay? It's about to get down, uh huh. Cause it's Friday night, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, on the Friday. yeah, 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 it's Friday night, and the time is right. Up and now, get a cat, cause it's about the time. This is about to go down like it's party time. So you move, this is right, cause it's about the time. Yeah, it's Friday night, and the time is right. And we're about to get down, cause it's show time. Yeah, it's show time, on this party time. Let's have some fun on the show night. Yeah, it's Friday time, yeah, it's Friday night. Two guys on the Friday, it's Friday night. Two guys on the Friday, it's Party time, two guys on a Friday, Friday night, on the ship night, on the ship night. We about to have fun on the ship night, and we about to get it down on the ship night. Yes, Friday night, yes, Friday time. Whoa. of the two guys in the Friday's podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. Sorry, this morning, Steve. Yeah, daycare drop-off, right? Daycare drop-off. Uh, we're a TGIF podcast. We watch all of the TGIF shows exactly 30 years after they aired. And before we get into that, let me thank uh, Beam of the King for the theme song this week. Thanks, Beam Beam of the King. And if you want to follow us on social media, send us uh, whatever at TGIFcast. <laughs> you can also shoot us an email, TGIFcast at gmail.com. Send us anything. Anything, yeah. We like Literally. things. Um, yeah, so we like to look back at what was going on 30 years ago in the world. A couple news stories I pulled. Uh, just what? real quick, th- yeah. these episodes would have aired May 3rd, 1991. Just okay. put the date and time in context. Yep, so April 29th, 1991. I didn't know Georgia really gets earthquakes, but they had a big one apparently where 100 people died in an earthquake in Georgia on April 29th. I think there's so there's like a fault line. Um, I don't know where. I don't know if it goes like through Georgia, but I think in it, kind of Missouri, Kentucky area maybe extends out to Georgia. I, I don't feel know. like this has to be known as like the Georgia earthquake. So it's called. I think it's the New Madrid, and it's it's one of those things that scientists say is is going to be cataclysmic like any day now. It's it's like thousands of years overdue. Not really. I'm exaggerating, but it's a long overdue 30, for a, thirty years overdue. Yeah, for I don't well for like a giant giant earthquake. I mean, a hundred people but, died in the U.S. from an that's earthquake. True. That's true. That, a lot. That's a lot. You're you're right. You're right. That's a lot. Uh, also, May first, nineteen ninety one. Nolan Ryan threw a no hitter, but this was uh, important because this was the oldest baseball player to ever and to still have that record of the oldest no hitter ever thrown. Forty four years Nolan old. Ryan. He's one of my favorite of all time. Oh yeah, definitely. I, uh, I you know like he I used had to play a billion of his baseball cards. Yeah, I have a jersey. It's one of the few. Well, not anymore, but it's one of the first baseball jerseys I bought. You know he played for the Tides briefly when he was in the minor leagues. So I know for sure. I didn't know he played for the Tides, but I know they did like the Tides Mets games back in the day, and, and when he was on the Mets, he would play those. Right, because that was his first. He came up into the Mets system, and so uh-huh. he played at one point. Played for the Tides. I think there's a baseball somewhere that my that. Well, I don't know where it is. My dad probably has it that he signed back 40, 50 years ago. Who I knows feel like long. I've told you the story, maybe even on the show, where like my dad gave me a notebook of like everyone from that game signed, and then I gave it away to some kid in fifth grade. Oh, great. No, I've never heard that story. But It had like Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, and like 30 <sighs> other players. Ugh. And like I just Can't... gave it to this kid. I know exactly the kid I gave it to, too. Seth, Han- Seth San Jose. He lives in... Uh, 
like Seattle or Washington now. And uh, have you ever messaged him and been like, "Hey, man, do you still have that notebook? I need it back." You know, I I messaged him a few years ago. I did not ask him about the notebook. I just kind of messaged him though. Did he respond? Yeah. And you never got around to ask about the notebook. I'm not gonna ask for it back. Like, Don't ask for it back, but no, you no, you, you got to at least be like, "Hey, man, look, remember that notebook? Do you still have that by oh, any chance?" You know what? Though, see, it might not have been Seth. It might have been Clark Van Bibber. <laughs> Your friends have the best names. Point is, if you can find it, they might not even know what they have, or there might be a funny story. Like, oh yeah, I got it. that, and they then don't. I traded it later that day for some pods or whatever. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, that's the news. Uh, thirty years ago, I guess that notebook wasn't thirty years ago. That was probably more like uh, twenty years ago or something. <laughs> whatever. Uh, what about movies, music for the week? What was going on? Yeah, so music. The a new song, Amy Grant, Baby, Baby. Uh, baby definitely baby. recognizable song. That's it. That's the song. And I, so that song really went on to be nominated for two Grammys. Lost both, but still nominated. Pretty big song. That's good for her. Amy Grant. Uh, the movie is a movie called Oscar. Have you ever heard of this movie with Sylvester Stallone? No, I don't think so. Okay. It's awful. I watched it yeah. last night uh, with my wife. She barely, she's like, I might just get up and go upstairs. I can't believe I, you're putting her through this, like making her watch every 91 movie or whatever. Not every 91 movie, only the number one movie so we can talk about it on Ugh. this podcast. But there, but it's I thought this was going to be one. Normally, I don't make her watch all of them, but I thought this was going to be, it's supposed to be like a gangster comedy. Gangster you know, comedy satire. with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. So yeah. we had higher hopes for it. And it's got a great cast, but it's bad. It's really bad. And I was like, well, how did this movie, how was this movie number one at the box office? And not only, I'll, I'll spoil this one because I don't care. It was number one for two weeks in a row. And I was like, what What? What else came out during these two weeks that was worse than this movie? I mean, I guess they just and fell for it like you did. Like, oh, look at this cast. And then the only movie that I even recognized the name of that came out in the two weeks that this movie was number one was Toy Soldiers. The uh, the like, I'm going to say Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon movie, even though they had like, you know, there were kids in it with a bunch of other kids and other adult actors. But Nothing else came out these two weeks of any value, and that's the only reason this movie, that and Sylvester Stallone are the only reason that this yeah. movie was number one for two weeks. It's so bad. It's I don't even understand it. Um, but that's it. That's the number one movie this week, Oscar. We got any uh, dinosaur puppeteer birthdays or anything this week? I'm going to update that this weekend. I haven't. The only birthday this week is your birthday, April 28th. Hey. Happy birthday, Steve. Appreciate it. Happy birthday. Uh, you want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so uh, this is uh, the 8 o'clock show back then on TGIF. It's uh, Full House, Season 4, Episode 26. The name of the episode is Rock the Cradle, and I think, uh, I don't know if we had a conversation in person or you mentioned last week that uh, this was a memorable one for you. It was. I think we talked about it in person. That This was one that I remember very well. And I think this is one of the more iconic episodes of the entire show. Really? Okay. Um, I do. I do, I do. So uh, it does start off right with the theme song, which is very uncommon for Full House. No uh, intro very, or anything. Yes. But uh, we go downstairs. Uh, Jesse and the Rippers are playing. I guess it's the Rippers, and, right? And it is the Rippers, except there's like 50 of them now. They're, they're, not just they've got the every horn that is invented on this in this band right now. If you've ever been considered a Ripper at some point in your life, you have now you're now brought into the band for this moment. Yeah, and they're down like in the basement, uh, and Becky's down there, Stephanie's down. He just brought the girls down there, and DJ, I guess it's a marketing yeah. ploy. And uh, there's just this, the sleaziest looking record executive like I've ever seen is in there, too. 
Yeah, I mean, he is stereotypical record exec from the 90s. And uh, he listens, he likes it, he uh, can't promise him anything, but he does promise that he will pass their uh, demo tape onto his boss. And uh, DJ and Stephanie and Becky are there just to kind of like give this record guy a little extra motivation, it seems like. This guy seems to have the least amount of influence of any record exec. Like, I, he's barely able to do anything <laughs> in his role. It's as like, a I can pass executive. this tape on. I mean, I mean, I could have done that, right? Right, right, yeah. All right, so uh, after this scene, we go upstairs. Uh, Joey is making lunch for, I think, like, Michelle and Kimmy and maybe all, yeah. all the girls or whatever. But uh, Michelle, we find out, has an invisible friend named Glenn at this point. And he's kind of like a character throughout the episode, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's part. That's a side arc in this, in this episode is Michelle's invisible friend. Uh, Danny mentions that DJ had an imaginary duck named Norton uh, when Norton, she was yeah. young. Uh, at this point, too, the phone rings. Um, I'm assuming it's this record executive guy already, but uh, nope, Stephanie answers it, and it is uh, Dr. Crane. He's calling for Becky. I do like that she has a quick jab at, uh, at DJ here where she says, oh, it's Norton, DJ. <laughs> that was funny. Um, so she passed the phone off to Becky. Becky's super excited. We kind of have an idea of what's going on, but, uh, Danny takes Becky into the uh, living room. Joey follows the girls listen. And, uh, Danny knows that Becky is pregnant and all the girls hear this when he talks to her about it. Yeah. Basically everybody in the house knows except for Jesse at this point. Yep. Um, so like Travis said, she has not told Jesse yet. Uh, everyone else knows. And she wants to wait and tell him like uh, later that night, like a romantic dinner or something like that. Right. Yeah. She tells Joey that she's really nervous about it too, because they, they'd wanted to have kids, but not right away. They wanted to wait a couple of years. So this is uh, not something that, that they were expecting. And she's worried how Jesse is going to respond. Uh, Jesse comes down at this point. We figure someone's going to blab it out and tell him exactly what happened. And it was close. Like people like kind of gave it away, but he just like wasn't in the right, uh, mode of thinking. Cause he has some news that the uh, president of the record company wants to meet him and talk about a, a possible deal, I guess. Yeah. And this is presented in that whole way where he comes downstairs with something really exciting to talk about. And the rest of the family thinks that Becky has told him. So he's saying what he thinks is really exciting without saying what it is. And they're responding as though he knows that that he's having a baby without actually saying it. So they, they're kind of having one of those conversations where it works, but both people are talking about different things. Yeah. Then we go uh, later to the night. Uh, we are now in the middle of, well, I guess the beginning of this uh, romantic dinner that right. Becky has planned for, for Jesse. Uh, and this is the part to me that I've never forgotten 30 years. Later. Yeah. My this wife is, remembered this part too. Like she was like, yeah. I remember this part, like baby carrots and stuff. Yep, and I was like, yep. Yep. Um, so Jesse comes in, he's got some important news to uh, tell Becky and kind of like interrupts her big news by telling her that the uh, band has been signed and uh, they've got a deal going on, a tour, all kinds of stuff. The whole deal. Yeah, he's going to be gone for two months this summer on tour. And this is like the part that I was talking about. Um, Jesse's sitting at the table. He sees some baby shrimp, some baby corn, some baby back ribs. But uh, like obviously... Becky's trying to tell him in this like cute way, but she is not, he is not seeing any of it. Like he does not get what's going on. And she's pushing too. She's like, do you see a theme in the dinner? Does any of this ring a bell? Like, what does he say? Like she asked him about the theme and he's like, I don't know. Oh, it's all finger finger foods. foods. That's right. Yeah. It's all finger foods. And, uh, this is where they talk about the tour and stuff. And, uh, she doesn't even get a chance to tell him about the baby. Like he's so excited about all of it. He basically runs out. He's like, I got to tell the rest of the family. 
Yep, downstairs, uh, the family is playing like some form of Pictionary or something. I like how they address this because I think that what the issue was is they can't say Pictionary because uh-huh. it's a copyrighted name. So they said drawing charades, Draw- or picture charades, one of those two things. Uh, Stephanie did a pretty good job, I guess, right? She Hers was really good. She drew Hers- a donut and half of a cow. And the clue was don't have a cow, right? It, that is that is probably one of the best uh, picture charades. I'm gonna say Pictionary, yeah, Pictionary attempts I've ever seen. I mean, that was dead on. It was creative. It was good. So uh, DJ's wondering if Becky has told Jesse about this whole thing yet. And when he comes down to tell the uh, family about the record deal, and uh, now again, like earlier, they all think that he's talking about the pregnancy, but he's talking about uh, the signing of Jesse and the Rippers. Right. Um, from here, Becky comes down. Um, she tries to tell everyone that she has not told him yet. Um, and then she goes into like doing her own picture charades and, uh, tries to, uh, tell Jesse that she's pregnant. And what she drew, she drew like, uh, it was a bottle and cheese. I thought, but there was a bottle. Oh yeah, it was, it was was cheese, half ink, having a baby. I don't remember the having part. It was half, ha- having was half ink. It was like oh, half right. of a bottle right. of ink. And uh, hot, Jesse thought it was a hot dog, uh, but it was actually a baby wrapped up. And uh, he finally figures it out, and he is more than excited about the news. He faints. He pulls a, he pulls an Urkel and just faints. Yep. Um, so the scene kind of ends there, and then we go up to Skipping Ahead, where Danny is now reading Michelle the book Good Night Moon. Um, she's still talking about her imaginary friend. Uh, Jesse comes in and, uh, Danny gives, uh, Jesse the opportunity to tuck Michelle in, um, kind of give him a little practice for what he's going to have pretty soon. Right. And there's something else that happens here too. Cause Danny's trying to, trying to talk to her about Glenn and, and imaginary friends. And he kind of finds out from Michelle that she's scared that all of her friends are gone from preschool because she just into preschool. And so she's by herself now. And so that's why she has created this imaginary friend. And so she has a friend while she's alone. Danny tells her, don't worry about it. You'll be going to summer camp in a couple of weeks. You're going to have tons of friends. You're going to have kindergarten, meet tons of friends. Glenn's fine, but you'll, you'll find somebody new. And uh, Michelle basically says, bye-bye Glenn. And uh, then uh, Jesse and Michelle have a little conversation. Like uh, he, uh, she, I guess Michelle kind of reconfirms the fact of how good of a father he's going to be. But then at this point during this conversation, he also realizes that he is not going to be able to go on tour with this band. He needs to be there for Becky. Did you notice how much Michelle looked at the camera during the scene? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, it was once she, once I saw it, I couldn't stop seeing it. it. It was almost constant when she was sitting on Jesse's lap. She was just looking right at the camera. Do you think that she would turn away and then she would look back at this and then like they just couldn't get her to stop and they're like, whatever. I don't know. But I mean, she even turns away and then turns back and looks, I mean, dead at the camera. Like she's turning away to look at somebody off screen, off, you know, off camera, then turns back, turns away. It it was so distracting. All right. So from here we go uh, back upstairs. We see Jesse getting up there. He uh, tells Becky that he's going to be canceling the entire tour. He wants to stay with her through this entire thing, be right beside her just in case she needs anything during the pregnancy. Yeah, and he's got a pretty good attitude about this. He's not like, oh yeah, definitely he's, mean to her or anything. He's no. like, I this is what I want. I want to be here all the time for you. Yeah, but she uh, she wants him to go. She knows this was his dream, and uh, 
she's like, uh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, do you really want to be around me with all the mood swings and the uh, morning sickness and all that stuff? Like, I can handle it. So both of them are super excited. They're both happy about the baby. They're both happy about the tour. They end up kissing. Michelle comes in. Um, oh, I forgot to mention that Michelle named this baby Big Bird. I doubt that comes oh, up in other right. episodes as that's well. Right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Michelle just wants to say goodnight to Big Bird. And then uh, she does. Good night, cousin Big Bird. See you soon. And that's the end of the episode. And that's the end of Full House. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. God. I was going to say, I wonder like where they jump in in the pregnancy for next season. But I guess it we'll doesn't never know. really matter, right? Well, we'll, it doesn't. We'll watch some, I'm, I'm sure, like during Probably. rerun weeks and stuff like that. I want to watch it. Yeah, I mean, we can we can definitely find the more important ones to watch. But yeah, that's the last episode of Full House that aired on TGIF. And I think it moves to Tuesday nights from here. Sad. Um, but a lot of the, this is a lot of these episodes. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but a couple of these episodes at least set up their cliffhangers for come back in the fall when all yeah, of this yeah. stuff that we're talking about now is going to is going to actually kick off yep. in, in earnest. So. But yeah, that's a classic episode for me. I remember that whole, especially the dinner part where it was, yeah, yeah. Like, like your wife said, baby shrimp, baby corn. I remember that every day. So, All right, your uh, 8.30 slot belongs to Dinosaurs this week. This is season one, episode two. The name of the episode is The Mating Dance. Um, starts and off. This episode will actually won an Emmy for Outstanding Art Direction. This one? Really? This, this one. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't figure out what specifically about this episode huh. was stood out, but this episode won an Emmy uh, for Outstanding Art. Maybe collection. when we're talking about it, we'll think of something that jumps out, but uh, Maybe, it starts yeah. off, it's like three o'clock in the morning. Uh, baby one years up. ago. Uh, Earl and Fran are uh, waking up from the baby, and uh, baby's just being a dick. I mean, that's all you can really say. Like, he wants food, he <laughs> wants them to wake him up. He's like, it's not your typical. He's being a baby. He's no, being a baby. It's way worse than being a baby. Like, he's just doing it because he knows that, like, they don't want to do it. That's the reason why. He's just being a baby. Um, he's only like a week old. You see Fran uh, get a bottle from the fridge. You see the creatures in there again. Uh, you got to point out that the bit, the bottle actually says 100% meat on it, which is pretty funny. Um, <sighs> she feeds the baby. She burps the baby. She puts the baby back to bed. Um, and then it's already like the next morning. It's breakfast time. Robbie's coming in. He's looking for some hot breakfast. Um, Charlene wants some hot breakfast. She tries to give him cereal. Neither of them wants cereal. They just want hot food. And she is just getting mad because she's exhausted and she Gets feels tired. like all anyone does is just ask her for stuff. She doesn't have any time to do anything on her own. Right, right. And then we see Charlene's ride for school comes. Was it Charlene's ride? Or yeah, I think it was Charlene's ride. And uh, what's his name? Eddie Lee. Is it Eddie? Robbie. Robbie Lee. I'm, these names are going to drive me nuts. Robbie leaves to go to school and yep. Fran looks out the window, sees our caveman family out there and just being the perfect. Perfect family, getting yep. along, supporting each other, loving the whole deal. She wants what the cave family has. And uh, at this point, Earl comes in. Um, he wants Fran to put a button on his shirt. And then this is where she kind of snaps. She goes off. She yells at Earl. All she does is cook and clean. And she is tired about it. Like, I don't, this isn't like, where, like, Earl says he's going to take the... Oh, no, it's after he talks to Roy, I think. No, no. Yeah, no, yeah, she's tired. She's physically tired. She's mentally tired. She's all all the tired. Then Roy comes over, and the two of them, I guess, walk to work, right? Yeah. Because they're not driving cars right now. Uh, so Roy and Earl are um, at work now. New scene. 
they're talking about like family life and their roles in the family and their roles at work. And Earl thinks that uh, the new baby is the issue. That's the reason why Fran isn't happy. And uh, they agree that she might just need some time off. And Roy suggests to Earl that uh, maybe he should take care of all the kids for the weekend and uh, give Fran a little time to do what she wants to do. So a couple things here. I just realized that half of my notes, I wrote Carl instead of Earl again. Um, secondly, Roy's not 100%. Roy is, is wrong in what the, what the overall problem is. But he did. He has offered a good solution as yeah. far as kind of a first step on getting things back in the right direction. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, any art direction comments here? I don't Not think, really. I, right? I'm still, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so we're back at home now. Uh, babies on Earl's head. This is like the classic dinosaur scene right here. Yes, absolutely. So babies. I on think the this head. is our first time, in fact, with some of these catchphrases that we'll hear over and over. We get not the mama. I think that's the first time, right? That is the first not Bang, the mama, yeah. Banging on Earl's head with like a, I don't know what he had, like a bat or something. It's normally like a pan or some some cooking utensil. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Earl's like, you do this one more time, I'm going to throw you across the room. And then uh, throws him across the room. Baby says, again, which is another like classic line. Phrase, yeah. And uh, Earl is now really getting to experience and see what it is like for Fran to take care of these kids all day. Exactly. So while this is going on, Fran walks in while Earl is now talking about never wanting to do this again. And uh, this is a big mistake that he made agreeing to do it. And Fran says, Earl, the kids are not the problem. Um, I I don't know what it is, but uh, Earl is starting to realize that maybe he is the problem with this whole thing. Right. And that's kind of the the click for him. Um, there's a lot, of the, a lot of like kind of more minor stuff that happens here that probably isn't worth mentioning except for the fact that there's a pretty big fire that the baby is like playing in at one point right when Fran comes <laughs> tail, home. His tail lights on fire. Maybe that's what it was. was like, you guys did a real fire with these fake puppets and made that work. That's the art direction right there? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe it's the bar because that's where they go next. Uh, I was thinking that, but really? I mean, was the bar that much different than the rest of everything else? Or any other bar scene of any other yeah. show except there's puppets in there? Yeah. There's dinosaurs? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, Earl and Roy are at the bar. There's a bunch of new characters, which I don't know how many of them we, we So you know what? I wanted to bring this up last week, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm just going to bumble my way through this. But these like background dinosaurs uh-huh. on the show have kind of a, they have a name for them um they're like unisaurs or something i think is what they're called and basically it's they're they're like dinosaur puppet legos where they can take oh. the tails and the heads and then you know oh, all the pieces like switch and switch them around yeah um that's cool i think it's i think they're called unisaurs una unisaurs um but yeah i thought it was pretty cool too you could they could just basically do whatever they wanted and make them continually look different so that you didn't have the same dinosaurs as the the extras all the time. Unisaurs, yeah, that's what they're called, unisaurs. All right, so while they're at the bar, they're having this conversation. Earl is still trying to figure out, like, what to do and what he can do to make things better. Um, Roy does suggest to Earl the mating dance, which um, Earl says, you know what, I don't need to do that. Um, I've already got her. That was something to get her, and I've already right. got her, so why would I need to do that again? And Roy's like, well, maybe you need to do it to keep her, and uh, that's kind of where we go from this scene. And Roy says that this is something he does regularly is goes, takes a class so that he can make sure he's, you know, fresh up on the mating dance for his wife back at home. So we go back to the house now. Um, Fran tells tells Earl that she's going to bed. Earl is still up watching TV and this uh, commercial comes on the TV 
for the uh, Mating Dance Academy, where I guess you go and you, uh, like, maybe this is where Roy went to, like, freshen up on the mating dance. Right, exactly. And uh, he decides to go. Um, he's getting a refresher class, and uh, I guess Mel is the instructor. Is that right? I think so. That's right. There's also a little bit of a side story that's going on here where they see on the news that these two cavemen uh-huh. are, are not mating at the zoo, and the zoo can't figure oh, out why right. they're not mating. And it's, But they it's have just them chained because... up like 10 feet away from each other, and they can't even touch, right? Well, they're both men. Oh, is that, they're, that they're, too? They're, yeah, they're both cavemen, so that's why they're not mating. Um, so, yeah, when he goes to this mating dance school, one of the cavemen, uh, Cheng Cheng, is there. And I just wanted to bring up that we have not seen it yet, but the the gentleman who plays Chang Chang is also the voice of one of the uh, a future baby on Baby Talk for like three or four episodes. Oh, great. So there's um, that. But yeah, he uh, he learns everything he needs to learn for this refresher class, and then he goes home, which is where we're at now. Earl gets home. Uh, Fran is asleep, but he goes over and wakes her up and tells her that he has taken care of the problem. And then uh, he immediately goes into this mating dance, which I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a dance, I guess. Where you, I mean, kind of like a sexual dance, kind of, right? No, no I no. don't know. I mean, like, it, I it's just it's just like it's like a slow version of a Pee Wee Herman dance, and I feel like it's supposed to be like flirty, sexual, kind of. I mean, it is, but it's not. But like it's not. it is for, it, and I don't mean that in the way that like. You're just saying badly. you were not turned on by Earl is what you're saying. That's correct. To me, it is not sexual, but I'm sure the dinosaurs were, were loving it. Okay, so he does this whole uh, mating dance, thinks it's going to take care of her problem, and uh, she actually just uh, falls back asleep in the middle of it. Yeah, because every woman loves just to be woken up in the middle of the night and be like, <laughs> let's do the mating dance right Especially now. Especially when you have a baby that's been waking you up every single night for And you're already long. just fed up with everything, yeah. Yep, so uh, Fran falls back asleep, baby wakes up, uh, Fran wakes up, but Earl tells Fran, oh, don't worry about it, I'm going to go take care of it, and then uh, he kind of takes baby into the other room and uh, does the mating dance for baby for some reason. Which was really strange to me, given the fact that even though I didn't find it sexual at all, obviously that was the intent. Like, he knows the intent of it, right? (laughs) Right, right, it does it for the baby, I don't know. Um, But yeah, baby likes it, baby's watching, he's all into it and everything, and then eventually baby falls asleep. Um, Fran uh, saw everything that Earl did and tells Earl that uh, helping her was the best dance that she has ever seen. And then right. uh, the two, two appreciates agree. it. Yeah, the two agree to go back to bed together. And then you see uh, Baby sit up and kind of like wink a little bit, I guess, and then go back to sleep. Like, was awake the whole time, I guess. That's episode two. Yep, episode two of Dinosaurs getting us into 9 o'clock. I can't get used to this 9 o'clock Family Matters. This is uh, season two, episode 25. Name of the episode is I Should Have Done Something. Um. We do get an Urkel intro, uh, I guess, to lighten up this episode a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, Urkel comes in, he sing- which is interesting, because he's singing Can't Touch This, right? He is. But then he's wearing headphones and um, tells Laura that he's listening to polka rap. And then, like, he even lifts up his headphones and you hear, like, an accordion. So yeah. I-, I didn't understand, like, is it like a... Is it an MC Hammer polka remix? Or, like, what is he actually... Yeah. That's what you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. I- I, I'm surprised that this is so confusing for you. Obviously, he's just listening he to listening Weird Al. To a pol- uh, 
a Poco version of Can't Touch This. So it's just Weird Al. Well, well, except that it's got the Can't Touch This lyrics and not a parody lyrics by Weird Al. But you, you're, you're right in the sense that it's the, it would be the same music style, just with the same lyrics, not different lyrics. All right. So, um... And here's the thing is once he says that, and he sings it again at the end of this this opening clip. Uh-huh. All I can all I can hear it in is like a polka version of that song. <laughs> um, Laura says that uh, she's tired. She was up all night waiting in line to get these con- three a.m. concert tickets. Yeah, like four six hours something like that. And then uh, she didn't even get them. Like the th- the whole concert sold out. I would be I would give up if if I got up at three a.m. and stood in line for nine hours and still didn't get tickets. I would just I wouldn't my brain wouldn't be able to comprehend that. I mean, I think that's kind of where she's at, right? You're right. You're right. You're exactly right. Uh, Urkel then uh, pulls out, of course, a pair of concert tickets to this uh, concert that she wants to go to, showing that he got a pair. Who knows how he got them? But uh, Urkel tells Laura she can come with him if she comes as his date. Not a good look, Urkel, but we'll talk about that later. She says no. Um, He starts to leave, and then she's like, all right fine i will go and uh of course steve is happy excited and leaves the house uh singing can't touch this again poker version yep um so we get our theme song we come back now we go to carl he's in the kitchen um harriet's mad at eddie for like not emptying did he say the incinerator yeah yeah so he did which was weird i this is not something that i have any experience with of having an incinerator that needs to be emptied or an incinerator at all. Yeah. We and were I talking about that northern... here for a little bit. Like, is it a wood burning like furnace that needs to be emptied a little while? Every once in a while. So I have thought it, to me, when I hear an, an incinerator that needs to be empty, I think more of like a trash, like that's where you throw oh, trash. Okay. Like you burn and your trash. Burn it. And or, I wonder if or this dead is more bodies, of like a, I guess, right. Or dead bodies. I wonder if this is a, either more of like a Northern thing or I mean, it a, is colder in Chicago. Right, or, or a big city thing where it's easier, like instead of having the trash come around every day because you have such density of people. Is that definitely what it is, to burn trash? I don't know. That's what I think it is. Okay. I have no idea. I've never in my life heard of a house that has an incinerator. Can you look it up? Uh, I can tr- I can try. Like, yes. just look up home incinerators or something. All right, All right. I will. So, and also, despite, I don't know how dated this is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe they don't it. do it anymore. Look yeah, it up okay. like 90s or something. All right, so. Um, <laughs> home incinerator 90s. Yeah. Um, so can't even spell incinerator. Oh my god. Carl's also mad about some other stuff, like uh people leaving empty food containers in the fridge and just like the kids not doing their chores and stuff like that. So he's in a bad mood. Um Rachel comes down um just to eat the pickle that just like I guess Carl tried to get a pickle out of a jar and Rachel. He could, just, but he like, couldn't get it out. Reaches in, eats the pickle, makes him even more mad, and then he goes off into the living room. Anything on incinerators yet? No, right. no. Um, it looks like the only, I mean, the only thing that's coming up is like for when you're camping to help keep animals away. Right, so now I gotta burn, search for it. Home incinerator I, personal. Burn, burn, home incinerator. Portable incinerator. Here's a home incinerator. But the portable one, that just seems different. Garbage uh, incinerators, Alaska Department of Fish and Game. That's the one that I saw. But that's, that's to keep animals away. And that's definitely not a problem in Chicago. Although. How to make a garbage incinerator. Part one, part two, part three on YouTube. People, people are going to think we're so stupid that we don't know what a home incinerator was for. There's, I mean, not not people in Virginia because I could, I guarantee you, everyone that we know has no idea either. 
Is it are we, how much how much time are we going to spend of this podcast trying to figure out what a home incinerator is? I don't even care. Listeners, email us with information on a home. If you have a home incinerator, we want to A, see a picture of it. B, we need you to tell us what you do with it. What is it used for? That's really all I, all I care about. So this is how people often who just to, like, how you have to empty it using a 55 gallon drum in their backyard and they're calling it an incinerator. Like that's what like I mean. That's what burn, I'm seeing too. But it's like I, a burn barrel or whatever. Yeah, I mean that's so that's what I envision, but more not as barrelly and more like so to get rid of trash, not to heat the house. Right, right, right. All right, all right. I don't know, man. Whatever doesn't really matter at all. But uh, we go to the living room now. Um, Carl tells Harriet uh, the reason why he's so upset. It has been exactly one year since it happened. I really wish they had not done exactly one year because it makes me feel like we should have seen this last season. Oh, that's a good point. Um, we find out what it was, was um, there was a night Carl was on duty. Um, there was a hostage situation at like a convenience store or something. Yep. And uh, Carl went, the hostage was shot by the robber and Carl now feels that it was his fault that uh, an innocent man died because of him. Yeah, and we learn a lot of these kind of details and and backstory because later in the night we see Carl watching this video of the newscast where he was interviewed and you can tell he's visibly upset on the interview and that's where they flesh a lot of this out, which I don't know why you would save that video if you were him, but I feel for him. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So like Travis said, we're skipping to like later that night now. Um, It's 3 a.m., Carl is uh, watching this news story that he has on VHS or whatever that he would record it off the TV. Definitely you know, VHS. What? Definitely VHS. Definitely yeah. VHS. Um, could have been Betamax, right? No. Could have been Beta. Some um, kind of videotape. So, yeah, we learn about the hostage situation, that Carl was the one dealing with it, and Harriet is there. She comes down, sees that he's watching this, and tells him it wasn't your fault, but he uh, still continues to feel bad about it about till this day. Right. Right. Um, so we go to a commercial after this. We're in sad mode now. We come back to the next day. The lighten things up. Urkel comes in. He's in the kitchen. Um, Estelle's in there, and we find out Estelle has received her uh, hunk of the month calendar in the mail, and she's pretty excited about it. I feel like maybe I'm co- make, making this up, but I feel like Estelle and hunk of the month calendars are a running joke in this show. Yeah. We need to keep an eye out. I want to keep an eye out for that. Okay. As if in other episodes, these this comes back up, because I feel... I feel like it does. I mean, she's got to get but a new calendar every year, right? She does. You're right. Maybe it's like every season finale, they make this hunk of a month, hunk of the month joke. But I really do think this might turn into a running joke throughout the show. Um, Steve's there because he's looking for Laura. Um, and then Steve tells Estelle the whole like uh, story with the concert and him getting tickets and the date and everything. And Estelle tells Steve that uh, he should not blackmail Laura. This is not right what he's doing. Right, right. She kind of breaks it down in terms where he can see see it a little bit differently. I'll tell you this, though. I could watch an entire show of just these two people talking to each other for yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, they're, I, they're good. I love them both. Yeah, they're both so good. Does Estelle make it to the end of the series? I think like, so. They don't, like, kill her th- off or anything, do they? I don't I don't think so. I do think that she is there till the end. Okay. But don't quote me on that. If I'm wrong, somebody will yell at me. And I might be wrong. All right, we'll see. Um, so from here we go to a shot of... Uh, what should have won best the best art direction uh, Emmy, in my opinion, it was better than Dinosaurs art direction. But uh, man, it's not. You're wrong. It's totally different. 
but <laughs> I appreciate it that they use what are obviously zombie graves because these are the kind of graves you have in zombie movies so that people can stick their hands out from the dirt. These aren't graves you'd normally see at a graveyard. These are clearly, clearly zombie graves that they had at the back lot that they pulled out. Like the stones or like the actual like yeah. graves? Yeah, themselves. yeah, yeah. The stones, the stone, the way that the, the way that the like the 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 space in front of the grave was those loose stones. That's totally so you can like reach your hand up and you know. Were all the names on it like pre- old presidents, like puns on their names and stuff? Oh, I didn't notice. I only looked at the the big one that was the the important one. So uh, the whole point of it being at the cemetery, Carl's there and he is at the grave of the hostage that uh, died that night. <laughs> he has brought flowers and uh, he's actually like kind of talking to who we find out, Mister Mallory about that night and kind of like apologizing, I guess, for right. for what happened right. and uh, feeling bad about it and uh, how he just did what he thought was right. And then we see that there's an older woman nearby listening in at this whole time. Right. And I thought uh, Reginald Bell Johnson was a pretty good crier in this scene talking about Yeah. We, I know we talked as about far as TGIF criers go, I mean, he's up, he's there, up there for sure. Yeah. Um, so she comes over to him. Um, she says, officer, I mean, I, I'm, uh, Mrs. Mallory. And, uh, I used to think that this was all my fault. I was the one that actually told him to go to that store. I wanted some ice cream and, uh, it, it was so hard on me back then. But then one day, uh, I realized that there's nothing, I didn't know he was going to go there and get shot or whatever. This wasn't my fault. And now it's time for you to realize that this was not your fault and you need to move on from it as well. It's clearly her fault. <laughs> clearly her fault. <laughs> not, not really. It's, it's neither of their fault, but, you know, she could have just not eaten the ice cream. Yep. Um, they show the two of them leave their flowers and then hug, and then that's kind of like the end of the zombie oh. graveyard scene. It is, without the zombies, but... Definitely those great. I guarantee you that those gravestones were built for his, that cemetery is a zombie cemetery. So then we go later that night and Mr. Mallory's hand comes out of the ground, <laughs> grabs the flowers, grabs the flowers, somehow, them back somehow in. gets Carl's gun and just starts chasing after Carl. Oh, no, I was thinking of it the other way of where he, he grabs the flowers, he pulls them in and we, that's like a, a some symbolic for closure. And now he, <laughs> okay. he can finally rest in peace. Either way, Uh, we do go to the living room now, though. Um, Estelle or someone. Oh, no, no, no. That's right. Harriet has the hunk of the month calendar. She has found this hunk of the month calendar. She thinks it's Laura's and like is mad at Laura for having it. And then like somehow Estelle gets it and like tucks it behind her back behind the chair and like very happy that she got her calendar back. Yeah, that's it was a funny, a funny little scene. Uh, Urkel comes over. He's in a robe, which I didn't know. I mean. I was like, is he in a robe because he has some, he's wearing something underneath of it? Or like, what's the point of wearing this robe over to the uh, well, slow house right now? So the point was him kind of showing that he was not that he's given prepared up. or intended to go to the concert. Yeah. But I totally agree with you where I thought that this was the scene was as soon as like, like Laura says taking the robe I'm off, go- yeah. ready to go. Yeah. yeah. But it did. It no, did not. Um, so he's in this robe. Uh, Urkel gives Laura the tickets and says, I'm not going. I was wrong. Take Maxine. And she's super excited. And now she's going to go to this concert with Maxine. Or is she? Or is she? Um, Steve is trying to trick her, I guess. And uh, No, I don't think he is. No? I really don't think he is. I think he legitimately is like, look, I was wrong. Take the tickets. Do what you want them. And she puts. she does this whole guilt trip on herself. 
and like does these whole mental gymnastics but that where was she now feels planned the whole time. I don't think it was. I oh, really don't no. think it was. Really? I really don't think it was. Because if it was, then he would have had the clothes on underneath the robe. And if it was, like that defeats the whole point of the moral of the lesson. Like the moral of the story is you shouldn't use these tickets to force her to go on a date with you. But he ended and tricking her, that's tricking exactly her to go what on the date. Did though? I mean, like, but he doesn't. He gives her the option. He says, "Look, just take them. They're yours. Do what you want with them." She's doesn't like, she even say though? Like, I know that if I don't go with you now, you're just gonna hold this on me later and like make me. But do I think she later. she does that to herself. She does that to herself. I don't think that that was his intention. I don't think he meant for her to think that at all. I, I think her, his intention was pure and like, I was wrong here. You do what you want with them. Have a good time. And she does that whole mental gymnastics to put herself in that situation. All right. So Laura says she's going with him to the concert. Estelle's excited for him. They have to run and get ready real quick. And then, uh, of course, Steve is excited. Like, I think he like winks to Estelle or smiles or something. And then he runs to go out the door runs into the wall on the way out of the Winslow house. And then uh, that's the end of the episode. That's it. Yeah. Kind I, of, I go ahead. I was going to say a lot of back and forth of emotions in this episode. Like they really like bounced back and forth between the Carl and the Urkel Laura stuff to kind of make you sad and then cheer you up a little bit and then make you sad yeah. again and then cheer you up. I don't know. I will tell you this more so than any of the other shows right now. Family matters. Does these shows the best. They yeah. these kind of serious, straight edge, emotional shows, better than Full House, better than Perfect Strangers. They do them the best. Now, my opinion might change when we start throwing some step by step and Boy Meets World into the mix, especially Boy Meets World. But they do this really well. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone's gonna gonna beat them in these episodes. Like, they might do it the best through all of TGIF. We'll see. They might. They very well might. I'm just saying. I think what later I Boy Meets World maybe. I don't think step by step gets close though. You got to think though that those Boy Meet Worlds episodes when you're dealing with like Sean's dad, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and the teacher, and Big Van Vader, kind of, right? Well, big, right, right, and like the more the later relationship with um, Mr. Feeney and those kind of things. There's, there's good stuff there. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'm talking about what I what I've watched in the last you know year that I can compare in the immediate time. They do it the best. We'll see what happens in the future though. Better than going places? Almost as good as baby talk. <laughs> Season six, episode 24. This is your 930 show for this week back in TGIF. Uh, the name of the episode, well, the show is called Perfect Strangers. The name of the episode is See You in September. Um, yeah, which is like, all right, the show's coming back in September, right? I mean, that's kind of like yeah, the title of this episode. Makes, makes sense. Um it starts off, we get the whole gang in the apartment. Uh, Jennifer, Marianne, Balky, Larry. And uh, Balky has the whole place decorated, like, for a wedding or something. He's taking pictures of uh, Jennifer and Larry. They're talking about the six phases of the moon passing, and that means in Maposian culture that tonight is the night that they have to set a wedding date. Right, and I think it's important to note that Balky kind of kind of surprises them all with this information like him and him and marianne have kind of set up the apartment larry and jennifer come home to this Balky says it's been six phases of the moon you guys have to do this and they're like what do what yeah i know there's some Maposian lingo throughout this episode so feel free to throw that in there if you did uh, write it down i will as we go i think the the only the one important thing we learn here is that larry is only 164th Maposian, which in Balky's eyes is more than enough where he should follow the traditions whereas Larry does not feel Jennifer is like less than a second. She's like, we're doing it the American way. <laughs> like 
And then I really appreciated Marianne's like sick burn right here where she says, oh, what is the American custom to get engaged and never set a wedding date? (laughs) I was like, get him. Go ahead, Marianne. Um, So yeah, Balky and Marianne are just encouraging the whole time. And then somehow they do decide after going back and forth, like looking at their calendar and uh, planning of like what they have coming up every month. A lot of them just being excuses, but uh, they decide they're going to get married in June. Yeah, there's this whole like, two minute long bit where they go through every month on what's going on. It's like, Oh, these months are too hot. Oh, these months are this. Oh, my dad's getting retired. This is retiring this month. I need to be there kind of thing. But yeah, they're going to get married in June. And uh, of course though, Jennifer and Larry are both very nervous about the wedding at this point. Terrified. Terrified. Um, Balky tells Larry that, uh, the problem is that he's scared. Larry says that he's afraid of losing her. Like what happens if like, she doesn't like him anymore after they get married, that kind of thing. And uh, Balky suggests that they take the Maposian marriage test. The Nupatiki Esetiki. Um, so Balky wants Larry to uh, call Jennifer about taking the test, see if it's something that she would be into. So he does. He calls her. And like seconds later, she is at the door downstairs and wants to take the test. She thinks this is a, a great idea. There, there's nothing positive about their relationship whatsoever. About theirs? About theirs. There's nothing. No. They've got And this is the posi- if this is the the way you are before you get married about your marriage, the, I don't care what this test says. This isn't this is not the this is not the right thing to do. All right. Um, you you you're t- so you think you think like a couple should be terrified about getting married to each I'm other? I'm not saying that. I'm not I'm saying that there this this relationship has promise. It's just because of this doesn't doesn't mean that they shouldn't get married. Okay. What about all the other stuff? It's fine. He only lies every episode to her. Every episode. At least once an episode. All right. So they then like jump ahead. Balky is uh, finishing up this test. Um, Jennifer is like answering questions, like questions about a marriage and stuff. But for some reason, Larry has to do like uh, like dares. Like it's like truth or dare or something where Jennifer's the truth and Larry's the dare. And he has to keep doing all of these different tasks to find out if they're a compatible couple. Yeah, juggle apples, and then she said, he says, now stand on one foot, now close your eyes. It's it's silly. And it's to me, it was super predictable the whole time. I don't know if you saw the incoming, but I did not. I thought this I thought this was pretty predictable. No. So they asked Balky what they scored and what they need to score to uh, prove that they are compatible. Balky tells them that they need to score at least a 60, and they scored a three three that's not good that's not good um so larry and jennifer are now it skips ahead a little where they're talking they're upset about the results and they question their total like that they got a three on this test and balky says he is a licensed marriage doctor what is that called man i would i'm disappointed that you didn't i'd say i mean nubatiki dr nubatiki dr rutiki rutiki yeah yeah so dr you know it's very a TGIF funny. alumni and one of Steve's good friends. Yep. Um, so Larry says that um, they'll just take the test again and uh, they'll wait a year, take it again when they're ready. And then they keep like postponing like, all right, well, maybe two years. This is, I think, where they talk about the uh, the retirement of her dad like two years from now. But uh, eventually yeah. they decide they're going to postpone it five years, retake the test. And Balky tells them. The only hope for them now is the Miposian marriage cleansing ritual. The Nubatiki Spicaspanatopia. 
Um, so that's where we go now. Um, Larry and Jennifer are now standing in the middle of a kiddie pool in the middle of apartment. Uh, Balky has on a crazy robe with a necklace that looks like a pork chop. We find out it is not a pork chop. It is the island of Mipos, which is pretty funny. And it also has like a like a jewel in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, like which changes based on the success of the ceremony. And Larry talk. Larry jokes about how like they're gonna trust like a, a pork chop necklace mood ring to judge if they're compatible or whatever. But uh, they go into this ritual. Um, it starts off with uh, Balky dumping. Did they say that this is mud, or did they even say they what do it was? later? Okay. They they do later. They specifically say mud. Yeah. At the end. So just right a bucket of mud on top of Larry's head goes over to Jennifer, dumps an entire bucket of mud on her head. And it's pretty funny. Like um, the mud's like getting into Jennifer's mouth and stuff. You almost see her crack. Like she smiles and almost laughs like in the middle of this. This is one of those moments where I guarantee you there are outtakes that are just phenomenal between the two of them. I bet, I bet you it was one take. You think so? I bet you they you were think like, they got we're getting it. They, this they done. The- we are not getting clean and dumped mud on you're, again. You might be right, but I, I think what you're trying to get at is completely true and that these two comedic actors pull this off really well. And when I say two, I mean Jennifer and Larry, not, not Balky and Larry. Yeah, yeah. So uh, mud all over their head. They're standing in this uh, kiddie pool in the middle of the, uh, in the apartments, and Apartment, yep. uh, they... Where is it? Oh. Well, the stone doesn't change. That's so right. Balky pours the mud on them, and the stone in his pork chop necklace doesn't change. So he says, it's doomed. There's nothing we can do about this. Yeah, and then I wrote down that Jennifer says that Larry is afraid of the whole thing, and then um, they both have thing. They both, like, talk about things that they're afraid of, like, with the marriage and, like, each other kind of, I guess. And it's the same thing, really, for both of them, is that they're, they're scared that they're going to get married, and the other person is going to feel like that the person that they now are with is not the person they thought they were um which is why it's a good idea to maybe live together for a little bit as opposed to you know separate apartments for years before you get married like they could literally just switch like balky switch with marianne and like see how it goes yeah or not even for like a week or two i don't know just a a small amount of time so the two of them larry and jennifer agree that they have each other they want to get married and then they agree to uh get married uh in september right we know what's coming for our season premiere. Yeah. Um, the two of them kiss. Balky tells them that they just passed the test with flying colors. And this is what you saw coming, I guess? Oh, yeah. The, this, the, the, everything else was kind of like fake so that they would have adversity to overcome together at the end, which would show that they were meant to be together. Yep. And they uh, end up thanking Balky for uh, letting them see that they do not need to be afraid about, about getting married. And uh, Balky confesses that he did add some special te- uh, touches to the test just for them. And then uh, the three of them are standing there, and Jennifer and Larry end up pouring a bucket of mud on Balky. The three of them hug, and that's the end of the season of Perfect Strangers. Right. That is. And also, just so because you said that, it was also the season finale of Family Matters, too. I don't know if we mentioned that. Yeah, so, I don't think we did. So it's just going to be, what, dinosaurs for a few weeks? Is that right? Dinosaurs for a few weeks. We do have one, the season finale of Baby Talk as well. So, which is kind of weird because the last episode we watched was episode seven. So it was on break for a few weeks and we'll come back to episode 12, which is the finale for season one. And the return and last episode of, well, most of the cast, but specifically George Clooney. 
rank them? I got a tough time this week, I think. Yeah, yeah, we can rank them. Um, it is tough. You know, I liked a lot of these. Uh, I, I'll i go first. I think I'm going to put Dinosaurs at four. Yep, I got that. Perfect Strangers at three. I think I'm going to go Full House two and Family Matters one. See, I thought that's exactly what you were going to have. I put Perfect Strangers at one for some reason. Like, I know you thought it was predictable, but I liked it. I'll tell you what, Family Matters, Full House, Perfect Strangers, to me, I thought were all excellent episodes. Yeah. Dinosaurs I liked as well. I'm not trying to discount Dinosaurs, but as far as kind of w- with the rest of the episodes, yeah. I, I'm putting it at the end. Um, I thought all three had strong episodes. And like, like you uh, said, Dinosaurs wasn't bad. I mean, this is the episode where we get the again and the not, not the mama and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. But that's it wasn't bad at all. That, just compared that, to that the show is going to take a few episodes to like start really building the story up. It is. And, they, and, and when they start getting into more of the like, I'm going to use the word controversial. I don't know if that's the right word, but more of the kind of taboo subjects is when it really kind of starts to hit its stride because you're really like, whoa, I can't believe they're doing that. This is, this is pretty incredible to watch. Um, But the other episode, the point is good episode, but the other three were just really strong episodes, I thought. And that's why, and honestly, when I put those, those main three in order, I can maybe move. I don't know if I'm going to put perfect strangers at one, but family matters and full house. I could definitely probably switch around at one and two. Yeah. Um, so I like, was glad to see Perfect Strangers get back on track, though. That's that is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, yeah, most yeah. of the season. A little more story and not just one gag the whole entire time. Exactly, exactly. But at the same time, we did love some of those classic gag episodes, like uh, the hospital one where they're just like on the bed with uh, our friend. But those, but there were story episodes in between all of those. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just week after week after week. And yeah, that. Yeah. It was a, yeah, yeah. Sure. It was a week of good story and then that, and a week of good story and then that. And, you know, it, it's easier when I just, I feel like they really ignored the characters this season which frustrates me, especially because there was a lot of big moments happening in these characters' lives as they get ready for the wedding and, and all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, know. totally makes sense. Um, so we already talked about it. Next week, it's just dinosaurs, right? Episode three? Just dinosaurs. Yep, next week is Dinosaur Season 1, Episode 3. That is the only show we will be talking about. Um, thanks again to Bima the King for the theme song. Yeah, thanks, Bima. Follow us on all social media at TGIFCast. Shoot us your emails with your own theme songs. Or whatever. We got a few of them in this week. So I've got, we've probably got like two, two or three to like get through. But uh, we're cool. always taking new ones. So email those to us, tgifcast at gmail.com. And then uh, catch us for a few weeks of season one of Dinosaurs because that's what we'll be doing yeah. for a little while. And just a, just a heads up too, we've since we're getting into the summer, <clears throat> excuse me, we are going to have some more like one off pilot episodes that aired, which I think. I feel really good that I might actually have all of them. So I think we'll be able to do another full full set of, of one-off pilots. And there's a, another show that was briefly on for like six weeks during the summer that I think I also have all of those. Awesome. So we'll see. Awesome. I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Cool, man. Uh, that's all I've got. Do you have anything else, Steve? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, man. Have a good week. You got it, dude. Okay. It's about to get down. Uh-huh. It's Friday night, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 it's Friday night, and the time is right, up and out, get a carrot, cause it's about the time, this is about to go down, like it's about the time, so you move, this is right, cause it's about the time, yeah, it's Friday night, and the time is right, and we about to get down, cause it's show time, yeah, it's show time, and it's party time, let's have some fun, and it's show tonight, 
Yeah, it's Friday time. Yeah, it's Friday night. Two guys on a Friday. It's Friday night. Two guys on a Friday. It's party time. Two guys on a Friday. It's Friday night. On the show tonight. On the show tonight. We about to have fun on the show tonight. Now we about to get it down on the show tonight. Yeah, it's Friday night. Yeah, it's Friday time. Whoa. TBA Podcast.